Okay, so we are in week five of this seven-week series called Who is Jesus? And as George just mentioned, next Sunday is Palm Sunday. Where'd that time go, right? And then there's Holy Week with Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and we're going to wrap everything up on Easter Sunday. And um, of course, if you are new to this series, or you're just checking us out for the first time, or you're watching us online for the first time, what we've been doing since Ash Wednesdays, we've been kind of doing this kind of CSI-esque kind of thing where we're looking at different aspects of Jesus and his, his life so as to better understand who he is as our Savior. And, of course, to be better equipped to share that information with other people. Today, in this fifth installment, we're going to look at Jesus and his transformational love. In other words, I'm going to look at his uncanny ability, the uncanny ability of Jesus to love all people cross the board equally. And to remind you of just the high value that God places on love, Jesus says this, this was what George read a moment ago. In Matthew 22, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So basically, Jesus sums up all of God's commands in one single word, the word love, specifically love toward God and love toward other people. Now, when it comes to Jesus and his indiscriminate love, what I'd like to do today is share with you three stories that come right out of the Gospel of Luke chapter 7. And to kind of set the stage for you is to understand where Jesus is at in his teaching ministry. In Luke 6, he's healing people left and right, and then he preaches this powerful, amazing sermon to a very large crowd. I reread the sermon just this past week as I was preparing for this message, and I was stunned. I was awestruck by the clarity and the wisdom and the power of Jesus' words. Actually, at the end of Matthew's account of his Sermon on the Mount, which some people think this might have been, in Matthew 7, verse 28, it says, When he had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. So multitudes of people are hearing Jesus teach. Right? This is a home run sermon on his part. He's riding, if you will, this wave of popularity. And then we move right into chapter 7. Luke 7 verse 1 says, When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, preaching a sermon, he returned to Capernaum. Capernaum was his home base. That's where he hung out. And he was going there because he was probably exhausted. Um, and, and as he went there, um, as, he, as soon as he arrives, there is the first of these, these three stories, these three interactions that Jesus has. And in each of these three interactions, Jesus reveals indiscriminate love. The first interaction is found in Luke 7, verse 2. It begins there. A centurion servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. So this first interaction is nothing more than the healing of a sick servant. And at first glance, this does not look much like indiscriminate love. But you need to remember kind of what we heard in the video clip a moment ago. And we talked about this on Ash Wednesday. When the Jews were looking for a Messiah, they were looking for a political Messiah who would deliver them from their political enemies, which were the Romans. The Romans were the occupying force in Judea at that time, and the Jews did not like them. 
So here's Jesus. He's just trying to get home after a couple of long days. And this enemy soldier, right, this Roman centurion needs his help. Now, when it comes to the servant, we have no idea what kind of a servant this is. For all we know, it could have been a stable boy who shoveled horse manure for a living. It doesn't matter. My guess, though, is if you were in Jesus' you know, place and you had just come off astonishing a lot of people with a home-run sermon, riding a wave of popularity, and you just wanted to go home and unwind, the last thing you probably would want to do would be to, to deal with a sick stable boy, right? It's more like, you know, have your people call their people or something like that. But that leads me to this very important question I want to ask all of you and all of you watching online. Here's the question I want to ask you. What do you do? What do you do when someone has a need? What do you do when a friend of a friend wants you to go out of their way to help them? When cousin Billy's kid needs a job? When your brother-in-law can't make the car payments anymore? What do you do in those situations? I mean, in that moment, are you even remotely interested in getting involved? Jesus was. And in doing so, he revealed indiscriminate love. The second interaction picks up with verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. So this time, the interaction is really just a funeral procession. Just for the record, Jesus has been to Capernaum at this time. He's had some time. We don't know how much time, but he's had some time to regroup. And now he's got places to go and people to see. And as he arrives at the town gate, all of his plans are interrupted. His schedule gets derailed by this funeral procession. And that leads me to a second question I want to ask each and every one of you, and again, all of you watching online. And here's the question. What do you do when your plans get interrupted. What do you do? What do you do when something as precious as your time is threatened? A while ago, I had an appointment. I had places to go, people to see. And I was cutting a little close with the time, but I was going to make it. I was not going to be late until I got to this major intersection and everything was stopped because I'm not making this up. There was a funeral procession going by. I'm not kidding. And I'm not, I am so ashamed even to say this to you, but I got it. I distinctly remember looking down to see just how many friends this person had <laughs> because I was now going to be late. You know, this person was holding me up. Isn't that terrible? I probably just cut my own funeral procession in half by admitting that to you. <laughs> Thanks. So, but seriously, what do you do? When somebody throws a wrench into your plans, are you honestly in the mood to be interrupted and to offer loving patience? Jesus was, and in doing so, he revealed indiscriminate love. Wow. Third interaction begins at verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And in this third interaction, we discovered this encounter with a prostitute. 
Oh my goodness. Yes, Jesus is invited to this dinner party of this religious leader and wham, in walks the neighborhood call girl. And she bursts out crying at his feet, no less. You know, so this could have been potentially embarrassing for Jesus. What if people thought she was a prior acquaintance or that he was a former customer? And understand, of course, this was not just some brief moment of discomfort, like, you know, when you go downtown to one of the ball games and a homeless person asks you for a couple of bucks. No, no, she's clinging to his feet. She's making a scene. So here's my question again for all of you here, for all of you watching online. What do you do when confronted with an awkward situation? What do you do? When there's, you know, no way out, right? You're completely caught off guard and you simply can't walk away. I mean, are you really willing to deal with that person in that moment and offer them help and love? Jesus was. And in doing so, reveals indiscriminate love. So in each of these three stories, we see this incredible example of indiscriminate love. And from these three stories, a truth bubbles to the surface. And it's this. Jesus' indiscriminate love is love of another kind. Okay, this is not just your ordinary run-of-the-mill average love that we're talking about. No, 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 no. Jesus demonstrates an amazing, incredible love to an enemy soldier's you know, sick stable boy, to this grieving widow who's lost her son, and to the local call girl. What's really amazing, at least to me, or interesting, is how different Jesus and his indiscriminate love is from human love. Because, for example, human love has limits, right? It's easy to love your family. Oh, yeah. Easy to love your friends. But when to ask to love people outside that circle, that's when we tend to put limits. You know, we're going to limit our love to those who are deserving, to those who are clean and don't smell, to those who are nice to us and respectful. We put limits on our love, but not Jesus. Jesus' love has no boundaries. There are no limits to Jesus' love. That's why he didn't hesitate to go heal this sick stable boy who happened to be working for the enemy Jesus offers his love willingly, joyfully. He sincerely, eagerly, even recklessly, I would argue, loves people with this love of another kind. And I realize for, for us, for many people, that's hard to comprehend, right? We, we can't process that. And that's why I, my prayer is the same prayer that Paul has. And, and, and uh, Laura read this just a moment ago in Ephesians 3. My prayer is what Paul prays. Ephesians 3.18, I pray that you would have the power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Why? Because Jesus' love knows no boundaries, right? It does not play favorites. And the Roman centurion, when he received and experienced Jesus' indiscriminate love for himself and for his sick servant, it changed his heart. And he offers this, this, um, this incredible uh, confession of trust and confidence that just leaves Jesus stunned to the point where Jesus says this in verse 9, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And here's the key, take, the, the key takeaway in this first interaction. It's this, Jesus reflects a love that is freely shared and changes hearts. 
And I share that with you because I don't know where you're at, but maybe you have a Grand Canyon-sized hole in your heart that needs to be filled with love. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus freely offers you a love that has no boundaries and that can transform your heart. Maybe it can kickstart faith for the very first time. Maybe it can restart faith that has kind of died or fallen away. Maybe it's healing a faith that's been struggling, or maybe it's bolstering your faith. I don't know. I just know this. Jesus has indiscriminate love for you, and it's a love of another kind that can change your heart. In the second interaction, remember that second story with the funeral? Once again, we see this stark contrast between Jesus and his love and human love, because human love tends to shut down. When your plans, your carefully laid out plans, don't go as scheduled, right? When things don't go the way you had hoped, the natural reflex reaction is to kind of get, well, it is. It's to get frustrated, maybe even angry, and your heart starts to shrink and get cold, and then love shuts down. I can tell you, again, I'm not proud of this. I can tell you when I was sitting there at that intersection, I was not thinking about that poor family who lost that loved one. I was, I'm sorry, I was, I was, my love had shut down. I was thinking about me. In stark, in stark contrast, though, Jesus' love stays open, right? Even though he had a funeral procession that mixed up all of his plans, Jesus was not angry at the delay. His heart was wide open for that poor grieving mother. In verse 13, it says, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. So even with this interruption, Jesus has deep compassion. And again, so different from our love. We like to think that we're better. We're not, right? When our plans get mixed up or canceled or delayed, you know, we're not filled with love and compassion in that moment. We're usually thinking about how inconvenienced we are. Not Jesus. His love doesn't shrink. I mean, his heart doesn't shrink and get cold. His love does not shut down. And that's what moved Jesus to relieve the suffering of this grieving widow. When it says here in verses 14 and 15, Jesus went up and touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Wow. Wow. I mean, honestly, I respect Jesus' power to carry out this resurrection, but I dropped to my knees at the incredible love that motivated this miracle because it is so different from human love. And and so the, the second takeaway from this second interaction is this. Jesus reflects a love that embraces the unexpected and stays open in spite of interruptions. So what does that mean? It means that when you go to the Lord and interrupt his agenda, okay, you don't have to be worried because he is going to show indiscriminate love for you. When you go to him with cries for help, when you say, Lord, I know there's a war in Ukraine and I know inflation's going bonkers and the pandemic's still going on. And there's lots of other garbage, but I really need your help. Please know you are not bothering him. Okay, You're not interrupting him. He is not going to get exasperated because you've inconvenienced him. His heart is wide open and stays open with love for you. In Matthew 11, 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus saying, bring it. 
Bring it. Bring your problems. I can handle them all. In the third interaction with the, the story of the local call girl, once again, stark contrast between Jesus and his indiscriminate love and human love. Because human love has qualifiers, right? Oh, yeah, people will offer their love, but only if it doesn't cost them too much. Only if it doesn't make them feel embarrassed, only if it doesn't make them feel a little too uncomfortable or hurt their reputation or whatever. Human love has qualifiers. It does. You have to earn it. But not Jesus' love. Jesus' love comes with no strings attached. It is a gift. It doesn't matter who you are. He's going to give it to you anyway. He loves you anyway. Isn't that amazing? It is a gift. If you read the story about this local call girl, you'll see that Jesus does not push her away to protect his reputation. He doesn't scold her because of, you know, all the past mistakes she made. He doesn't even sit her down and teach her a lesson on how to turn over a new moral leaf. He just looks her in the eye and he says these four powerful words, your, your sins are forgiven. Jesus counts her tears. He recognizes that her repentance is real and he quietly says, it's over. Your past is wiped away. Wow. That's love of another kind. And, and I want you to understand, when you come to Jesus, like that woman, and you drop at his feet, and there's tears in your eyes, and you're filled with shame, and you're thinking, there's no way, no way that I can be forgiven. Not after what I've done. You come to him in humble repentance. The good news is that the love that Jesus has for you is also a love that comes with no strings attached. Right? It's, he, he joyfully forgives your sins as well. His love is a love of another kind. He, he counts your tears. He recognizes that your repentance is real. And he says, it's over. Because of my death on the cross, the punishment has been paid. The guilt is removed. Your sins are forgiven. Wow. I, I love how Isaiah 53 it pictures for us what our Savior did in love so that we could be forgiven. Look at this. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. That, folks, is love of another kind. It's the love that Jesus has for you and for me, for everyone, everywhere. And the third takeaway that we can, that, that the third, um, that, that, that third key takeaway that we can pull from this third interaction is that Jesus reflects a love that overcomes and transforms. Because of his indiscriminate love, Jesus was, his love was easily able to overcome the, the sinful past of that woman and change her life. We don't know, of course, what happened to that woman after she left that dinner party. My guess is that everything she decided and the way that she lived from that point on was very different. Jesus' indiscriminate love flows to you. And of course, it can overcome your past mistakes and failures and bad decisions. And it can change your life too, for the better. So that by the Spirit's power, you move into a, a new and better direction that, that honors God and blesses other people. Wow. To a stable boy, a grieving mother, and a local call girl, and to each and every one of you and watching online right now, Jesus offers an amazing gift. 
right now, right here, his love of another kind. And my prayer is that his love will break through into your hearts and it will dominate what you think and how you speak and what you do with your life. And, and, and it will empower you to become even more loving yourselves, right? So that you can, you can love others, not with human love, but with Jesus' indiscriminate love. So let me challenge you this week in a couple of ways. Okay, first, let me challenge you to connect with God by reading all three interactions. Look them up, Luke 7, and find those three stories, read through them, and then look for the examples of Jesus' indiscriminate love. Second, review the differences between human love and Jesus' love. Look over your notes, and then give thanks to God that Jesus' love has no boundaries, is wide open, and comes with no strings attached. And then third, as George mentioned just a moment ago, I want you to pray for opportunities to invite your 365 and one person to Easter. This was a sermon series where we challenged you to pray 365 days a year for this one person whom you know is outside of a relationship with Christ. Between Christmas and Easter, those are the two days when people who are outside of a church relationship with Christ are open to being invited. Pray for opportunities to invite them. And then do, do it, okay? Do it so that they can learn more about Jesus and who he is for them as their Savior too. All right, well, let's pray about that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, give us the faith to believe that your love really is as wonderful and as available and as powerful as it's just been described. Give us the joy of knowing that this love has the capacity to change lives, including our own. And finally, by your Spirit's power, help us to become not only receivers, but reckless and indiscriminate distributors of your love as well. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your great name. And all God's people said, amen.